I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who could do that too. If they had those tools, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right. What's going on, everybody? It's show number 512. On today's show, we're talking about extra screws, how Minwax stain works, and design intellectual property. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away a Clampet Deluxe Kit, which includes everything you need for perfect 90-degree joints uh, on large and small projects. I've actually used these in the past. These are fantastic for casework, uh, holding up those big pieces of ply, keeping them together. Pretty great. Uh, the prize is valued at $89.99. Enter for your chance to win before November 1st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. That's pretty cool. It is. I'm going to win some stuff. It'd be nice. No, you're not eligible. Oh, well, that's fine. I guess. I mean, sure. <laughs> You're eligible by the I feel like right now, like, with the music vibing, like, I just listened to Shannon's Tonewood episode. Yeah. I think Shannon needs to, like, do some, like, follow a lot of things. <laughs> like he did in the show. Sure. Because I, I was driving around, like, wait a second. Shannon is, like, hitting some sweet notes right now. <laughs> that's what he does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll play with formant frequencies in the next episode. It'll be fun. <laughs> And if you want to help support this show, not Shannon's show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of this show. This time, we're thanking Nathan Lawrence, John Hankins, Brendan H., the one and only Barry, and yeah. Timothy Tarvin. All right. <laughs> the one and only Barry. That's good stuff. The magnificent Barry. <laughs> the one and only Barry. He's opening, he's all opening right. in the uh, Atlantic City Sands all week, I hear. Right. The one and only Barry. That's actually a great name for your magician. It would be. be amazing. You have very low Barry. expectations when you go in, and he just blow you away. <laughs> right. That's the trick. You know, you start with low expectations, and it's all, it's all uphill from there. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the secret to success of this show. A, oh, yes. Yeah. Set those expectations low and uh, just hope for the best from there. It can only go uphill. Well, I'm here again, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to what's on the bench. Uh, my What's on my bench is actually a bench, which is kind of funny. Uh, so building a new bench, and it's almost done. Applying some finish, and we'll be reassembling everything, getting it back together. Got some uh, cheapo vices on there, which was uh, definitely a change of pace. But I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it the old college try and see how I enjoy these vices. I mean, after rolling with Benchcrafted for like 10 years, it's a bit of an adjustment to go back to like, <laughs> you know, the stick in the hole thing. You know, what I'm talking about the stick in the hole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, about. Classic handles. I've got one quick release in the tail vice position and I have a standard uh, face vice in the front. And, you know, it's 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 just not that bad. I mean, so far, what I've been doing, <laughs> playing around with it, 
you know, it's the funny thing was I, I, I was like, oh, I, I'm going to have a trouble adjusting to quick release vices. And then uh, John, my assistant goes, um, you, you realize the bench crafted stuff isn't quick release either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, well, sort of. I mean, like the tail vice, I'll give you that, right? Or their shoulder vice. Um, that is fairly slow and you are turning that crank for a while. But the leg vice, the way that that thing is tuned, um, you just give it one good push. Uh, like the big wheel on the price is right. And that thing just goes, goes, goes until it, uh, till it hits home. So it is kind of a quick release, it doesn't make even the though cool it's technically sound. not. Beep, 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 That's true. Beep, 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 right? It needs to do that. <laughs> it would be a great sound effect for them to add, honestly. A good upgrade. Seriously. Oh my God, that is so annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time. It'd be great. What would be more annoying uh, is the, other the thing, reams um, of, of Instagram posts of people, you know, because we already get the people who install it and give it the spin and watch it glide into yeah. place. Now, the final now it'll be the sound effect. Yeah, I don't know. I might enjoy that. Uh, the other thing I've been doing is using a lot of um, Rockler's uh, specific products that, that just work well for a workbench. Um, they have um, bench bolts. So with the cross dowels or, or barrel nuts or whatever the heck you want to call those things. Um, big old hardware for knockdown construction, which has been really handy. Uh, and then also their workbench casters are great. And not just the workbench casters. One of the problems with those casters is that they protrude from whatever you attach them to, which means potentially they could become a trip hazard. Um, so Rockler actually has these brackets that you can attach to the bench and then slide the caster in, put a little safety pin in there, and it's ready to go. So if it's something that you're not actually using very often, which is definitely going to be my case, um, these little brackets are fantastic. So you don't, you could just kind of put the casters away in a drawer somewhere. Whenever you need them, slide them in place, pop them down, and now you're mobile again. Oh, that's slick, yeah. Any trip The night is there. Yeah, I mean, you just have a black bracket there, which is not yeah. ideal, but... Um, if you have this need for mobility at all, I mean, I, I usually put mine up on, um, like furniture dollies, mm-hmm. uh, prop it up. And then th- that's actually where my old bench is right now, sitting on two furniture dollies <laughs> on the other heavy. side. Yeah. So <laughs> it is. So, you know, putting your foot down on these little handles and propping them up on the workbench casters is a much better way to go. Uh, and especially for people who have to move it frequently. Uh, I think it's a really good solution. Putting a workbench on a furniture dollar just sounds like a, like a young man's game. <laughs> this is coming from the guy using like forklifts to lift, you know, sequoias. Anything. <laughs> like, Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> like, uh, seriously. I just heavy intentionally is, don't move anything anymore. Yeah, well, too, too heavy, though, is not part of your programming anymore. That's true. No. Like, no, nothing no, no. is too heavy. Not, <laughs> not anymore, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so here's, here's my dilemma now is I have two workbenches and a shop that does not facilitate owning two workbenches. And I've got to decide which one to keep. And it, you, you, let me ask, you guys know me pretty well. Which, which workbench do you think I'm going to keep? There if you had go. to guess. Uh, the old one. The fancy one. The old one? Yeah, the old one. Yeah. The old one. The one with the Wood Whisperer logo on the leg vice. And- <laughs> yeah, but now i got a Shaper Origin. I could have put a Wood Whisperer logo everywhere. That's true. God. I'm going to put one on the damn wall. Put it in your table saw. Inlay it. But the, the new bench <laughs> won't still have the, the the remnants of that stupid brown stain left in the pores. And, oh, yeah. I mean, the, that's true. The experimental brown stain. Whatever. Listen, it wasn't stupid. It was a great idea. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> so that's a plus. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm actually kind of undecided and I am at this point leaning toward the new bench. And the reason why is I, I I've always thought that the, okay? uh, I'm getting old. Doesn't sound so like you at that. all. Uh, no, the, the new bench is smaller. Um, it's a little bit more lightweight. It, I've always felt that the Rubo, the original Rubo is extravagantly large. Like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> I often point? feel like that's, that's yeah, way more than point? I've, it's way more than I've ever needed. And in a slightly tighter space, I've got this new workbench there and I'm like, man, look at this, all this room around this that I can actually do stuff with. And it really reclaimed a decent amount of space. So I'm, I'm doing a little soul searching here. Um, but I do have to say there's another part of this. While workbench design is not something that's like, you know, anyone is inventing anything really new here. Um, the Rubo was something I pretty much said. Oh, Benchcrafted, you guys have plans? Cool. Can I borrow those? And made an, <laughs> a, a new workbench out of it, right? In this case, 
uh, I just kind of from the ground up from everything that I've done in the past, everything I've learned, have designed this new bench to just be mine. And granted, it's again, it's just a workbench. There's not that much I can do to make it like, ooh, look at my sweet new design. I invented this thing. Um, but there is a little bit more of a personal thing to it because I'm the one who picked the numbers. I just decided how big it was, how tall it was, how big the legs were, how everything went together. So there is that like, well, this one's mine now. <laughs> the other one was Rubo's and Benchcrafted's and Chris Schwarz's. <laughs> but like, <laughs> this one's mine. So I don't know. I, I feel a little more attached to it and uh, I may keep the new one. And here's the other thing. The new one is cherry, which is going to darken over time, which solves my problem <laughs> of that darker color that I was going for with that stupid stain. <laughs> so I'm kind of in favor oh, of you know, there's a lot of pluses to this new one. So I don't well, know. There is, we'll there is merit to the fact that, I mean, the Rubo bench, <clears throat> it's a hand tool workbench. I mean, I think mm -hmm. there were... Um, enhancements i mean just the split top i think lends itself more towards kind of a, a power tool uh, approach or at least mm -hmm. i see the power tool or the excuse me the hybrid woodworkers using Attaboy. using the split top <laughs> model but i mean i i wouldn't get rid of my rubo you know on a bet because it's designed exactly for the work i do um which is kind of what you're saying about the new bench you know the work that you you design this based upon the work you do um it just yeah. so happens that Andre Rubeau and I are very similar in our work. That was, I'm yes. not sure what that accent was. It went really off the rails. So, Terrible French yeah, was, is what that was. <laughs> it was. That's pretty good. Well, I mean, you bring up French a good point. Accent. Yeah. Like the uh, sliding dead man. I can count on one hand the number oh, of God. times I've used that since I built this bench. Yeah. Mine's there, like off and laying in the corner. Right. So there are other ways that if and when, and it's not often, but if I need that type of functionality to help clamp something to the front of the bench, I've got other ways to accomplish that. And I can have a nice uh, recessed rail on the bottom because I don't need anything to push up against that. I don't need a sliding dead man to be flush with the front. Um, so it kind of opened up the design options a little bit. And I just, I don't use that feature. Um, you know what I do use? Power. So having integrated power and not just like a stupid power strip, you know, screwed to the leg and like, there it is. There's my integrated power. Um, I've actually got, I found a Marine outlet with a rubber like gasket around the outside and a spring loaded little lid on it that I put a outlet into one of the legs and you just bore it out and run the wire. And it's actually kind of cool because I'm always concerned about things like dust accumulation or spilling something in there. But having this little lid there is pretty damn sweet because it's meant to go like on a boat somewhere. <laughs> so is, like is lid, integrated power. Did you make the lid from teak? <laughs> no, it's just it's all just gray, ugly plastic. Even. But it's, it's fine. Maybe maybe it, I'll make it. It wants to be on a boat and you have it in some garage somewhere. <laughs> That's right. What a life. You're depriving right? it of the life it wanted. <laughs> Look, I have two dogs that would be happier elsewhere, but I keep them in the house. So it's just, just the way life is. So anyway, I don't know. Um, I think I am leaning toward the new one, but we will see. And really the big question is like how to offload the old one if if I choose to do that. Obviously, it's going to be some kind of like giveaway. I'm thinking like, or, I'm thinking like Viking funeral. <laughs> yes, yes. Just send it off. <laughs> shoot flaming arrows at it. Yes. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Actually, like no one gets this. We're just going to kill it. <laughs> that, that would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Au revoir, Rubo. <laughs> that would be good. Okay. God, you want to talk about views. That, that, would, that would go through the roof. I mean, come on. Can you imagine like what a waste? It's just a great, perfectly good workbench and I'm just burning it. Uh, in the, in the middle the of a pond. hardware on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it just sinks obviously. to the bottom. <laughs> Never to be seen again. <laughs> man, Cremona, great idea, man. Nice. All ideas, man. You know, uh, that's why I like you. Uh, anyway, so that's enough about me, uh, Matt. What do you got going on? I think I'm gonna go burn a workbench. <laughs> well, I got a new design for you if you're interested. I'm thinking we'll just dump mine in my burn pile. We'll have a little bonfire. <laughs> Throw some marshmallows tonight. Oh Can't wait to see that in your story. Oh yeah, you'll you'll see it. You'll, you'll hear all about it. Yeah.
people tell you. I can, I can see him putting it on the forks of the, the telehandler, lighting it on fire and then like raising it up like 20 feet off the ground. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, here, here is a tribute to, to the, the Viking gods. Yeah. <laughs> and then just like an epic Game of Thrones music <laughs> soundtrack and flaming arrows. Man, I could see it all. Make it happen, man. In a very common uh, theme here, uh, we're going to give what we are getting ready to start on our home edition, Ooh. which is going to include a new office for Lindsay and myself. So I won't be like underneath all of the, uh, the action anymore. Wow. So we won't have this, this noise thing. Good. But we probably will. I mean, they're kids. <laughs> now you're just going to be in the action. Different noise. <laughs> yeah. No place is safe when you have kids in the house. Dang it. They don't tell you. These are things they don't tell you. No, I hope that you guys have a, you're going to put carpet in there or like hardwood floors. So the office is going to be like a basement thing. Okay. So we don't have any like floor finishes specked out right now because we're trying mm -hmm. to like do things a little slowly. So we'll do like a rug. <laughs> yeah, like an area rug. Okay. In the office, but the, uh, the addition is going to be a sunroom, which will be part of the, the new kitchen. I'm already confused, but it sounds great. I know. Well, it's a, well, we're, so we're putting a sunroom on the house. Okay. Which is going to be attached to where the new kitchen is going to be. And the sunroom will have a full basement underneath it. So the basement under the sunroom will be an office. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that so sounds we're great. That, we're getting some of that space going. Very nice. Fun. How much are you doing yourself? I mean, I assume you're getting a crew for this. Uh, my friend Donovan and me That's are doing the, the whole thing. Yes. Okay. That should go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So much confidence today. <laughs> it's going to go good. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, we'll just see it. For a, we'll, we'll be talking about it for like at least six months. Yeah, no, that's going to be awesome, though. Home renovations can be like the most stressful thing in the world. But like the payoff is when you're finally done. We got that new space. Everything looks great. That's awesome. I think it's be interesting for me because I haven't done a whole lot of like construction stuff and the construction stuff I have done has all been on like new kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's very different than remodeling mm -hmm. where you have to tie into existing things. Right. So I'm actually looking forward to learning quite a lot from this process. And, uh, I'm also doing the finishes for the new kitchen. So I'm building a kitchen. Okay. Oh, then. Okay. Which I said I would never do, <laughs> but here we yeah. are. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it. That oh, sounds gosh. awesome. Yeah, that's making this journey. Yeah, it's it's it'll be a paint grade though, so at least it'll be a little bit easier. Oh, you're gonna get hammered for that. <laughs> I don't have to do any like, I don't have to worry about like color, or grain, or like divots. <laughs> Same yeah. deal. Feeling <laughs> that get some bondo going on there, you know. The internet hates paint though. I mean, out, unless you go outside of the woodworking world, but only if it's milk paint, inside though, the it has to be milk world? paint. They allow milk paint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, milk paint that's not actually milk paint, preferably. Yeah, there we go. Acrylic Obviously. paint, in other words. <laughs> no milk. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's great. Can't wait to see it come together. Me too. <laughs> All right, Shannon, what about you? Uh, I had a um, I had kind of a big error this, um, well, depending on when we recorded last. Since we last recorded, um, <clears throat> I did a inlaid a, a marketry piece into a desktop and you know inlay is one of those things where like you can't really seat it fully because if you do like you'll never get it back out so when you're ready to glue it up there's a little bit of a kind of a let's hope this works <laughs> that goes in you know you, <laughs> you you measure the the thickness of the inlay and you measure the depth of the recess and you know you check the fit and you kind of get it halfway in and you see okay this is this is going together and you have a feel you know as you're tapping it in is it is it meeting resistance etc then you put the glue on and there's always like well is that kind of hydraulic pressure going to keep it from seating well it did um the, the inlay went in and it got really close really close um and i, I then I was like, okay, well, I probably should back this out. But then I couldn't because it was in food too far and I couldn't back it out. So I was like, all right, commit, get a bigger hammer, <laughs> just get that sucker seated <laughs> because it, it should seat. You know, the measurement of the depth of the recess and the thickness of the inlay, it, it, it should work. 
but it just did not go together. So then I was like, all right, well, you know, maybe we can salvage this. I'll, I'll clamp it up and let it set and everything. The problem is it is a marquetry. So it's veneer set onto a plywood backer. And I specifically put it on the plywood backer to give it a little bit of thickness because it's actually easier to inlay something that's like three sixteenths of an inch thick than something that's like a 32nd of an inch thick or one sixty-fourth of an inch thick or something like that, which is what mm-hmm. the veneer is. So as it as I was kind of it was proud of the surface, but so little that I couldn't even really measure it. I mean, I suppose I could, but I'm getting old, guys. My eyes don't see that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I could just see that it was a little bit proud of the surface. But the problem was if I tried to flush it up, am I gonna essentially burn through that veneer? In other words, burn through like three hours of marquetry work. <laughs> You know, oh, and yeah. I just didn't, I, I didn't want to chance it. Um, and I, in, in hindsight, it probably would have been okay. But so instead what I did was like through the, pulled out the iron and, and the back towel and just steamed the crap out of it. Cause it was all high glue. And, uh, because it was just a little bit proud of the surface, I could at least get like a chisel would catch as I pushed it up to the edge. So I'm thinking if I could maybe just start to like pry it out of there, wiggle it out of there. And if I deform the plywood base at all, you know, I can, I can figure all that stuff out. I just need to get it out of, of the bench without, you know, completely, or excuse me, the desktop without completely destroying the desktop. <clears throat> well, it came out, but instead of the plywood coming out, the marquetry just peeled right off the plywood, as it should, because it's high glue. So all of the pieces yeah. came free. So I'm like, I guess this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> so I went from trying to pull out the disc to suddenly, uh, well, there's probably 50, 55 different pieces in the marquetry. So suddenly I'm I've got 55 pieces and I'm quickly scrambling to like keep them in order because it's 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 a geometric design. It's a logo. Mm -hmm. So they're all different, but they all look kind of the same. So I'm like, crap. So now I'm like worst, worst jigsaw puzzle (laughs) ever. Awful. It was awful. Um, (laughs) And, and, you know, there's reverse sides because the backside, you know, it's the same species of of European um, uh, pear wood. It looks the same on the back of the front, but if you flip the back to the front, it won't actually fit in the recess, right? Because it's been cut by hand um, with a fret saw. So I'm I'm like just basically peeling off one piece at a time and like moving it over to like a, a piece of plywood kind of in keeping it like in the same order, kind of like an exploded diagram of it. And I keep having to go back to the iron and adding more heat because of course, you know, it's, it's tacking up on me as I remove the heat. And it turned into like, the worst reverse glue up ever. You know, glue ups are stressful. This is way more stressful. <laughs> All these pieces pulling it apart. So then I just, uh, you know, once I finally got it apart, and then I had this plywood disc. And sure enough, that plywood disc was slightly recessed below the bench at that point, which tells me if I just stuck to it, I probably could have planed away and still had veneer left. But Mm-hmm. Oh, I still don't know. Like it, it, that would have been the worst case scenario, like actually destroying the pattern. At least I, you know, can reassemble it now. So then it was just a matter of, you know, drilling some holes through the the plywood and, and just like getting a screwdriver under there and just prying the thing out. You know, I could be destructive at that point. <clears throat> yeah. Now I've, I've re-glued up the marquetry pattern, but the problem now is the marquetry pattern, you know, inlay, you, you set your, your inlaid piece in and you trace around it with a knife to get an exact um, shape. Well, is the shape going to be the same? You know, if I take this, this marquetry and I glue it onto another piece of plywood again, I still have to saw the plywood out um, into that round shape. And if the plywood is not Mm -hmm. sawn exactly the same, it's not going to match the inlay. So now I need to make, the inlay slightly bigger, right? So I can trace around it. Well, the problem is the marquetry right. I can't make any bigger. The plywood backing was sawn to the shape of the marquetry. So <laughs> I added, basically I, I added to this, the, the perimeter, the diameter of the circle, I added more marquetry. I added like a decorative border around it. <laughs> so nice. this pattern, I mean, in the end, I think it'll end up looking kind of cool. 
and, and probably actually look intentional, but yeah, it was, it was like one of those things where I was, I was literally in the, the last stage of this project after that would have been flushing it up and applying finish. And <laughs> a week and a half later, <laughs> I still have a marketry panel, like in the vacuum bag. Um, cause here again, when you, when you do marketry, and then do it in an inlay, you know, one of the big issues, once you do marquetry and you just glue it down to the substrate, you're good to go. But if you glue the marquetry to like a temporary substrate, that's kind of thin, that thing's going to turn into a potato chip um, because of all the moisture from the glue. So I'm essentially keeping it in the vacuum press and keeping weight on it to let the moisture evaporate, to keep the thing flat, because if it curls up on me, it's going to be really hard to then inlay it. And, and trace around it so it's just it's turned into Jeez. i mean it's turned into one of those great situations where it's like you know problem solving and it, you know I, I kind of increased my my <laughs> box of tricks if you will in order to make it work but at the same time it's just like son of a i just want to be done with this i was like i had it fit i was so close yeah Jeez. So yeah that's how it works problem solving at its finest <laughs> hey but that's, hey hide glue so reversible <laughs> <clears throat> that's why you use yeah, it right absolutely cool all right uh do you want to hit this a uh, little bit of kickback yeah we have here yeah because it occurred to me <laughs> i read it that. and um it pulled uh, an image out of the email he sent us and then i deleted it from the inbox you guys probably never even saw it so i better read it nope so this is from tim and actually um tim is the guy that uh asked us about financial planning and we did the whole episode about retiring so um welcome back tim um this question better be as good as the, as the last one. Anyway, <laughs> so he said, I was, I was walking through a local home goods store when I came across this cutting board on display and I will include a picture in the show notes here. So you're going to have to go to woodtalkshow.com for once folks, there will be an image there. Um, so I saw this cutting board on display. I did a double take. It is a rectangular cutting board with a live edge on all four sides. Sweet. I'm pretty sure whoever designed this does not understand how trees work. There's so much wrong here. I don't know where to begin, but clearly Cremona has the slab porn industry. It's clearly Cremona and the slab porn industry are to blame. So yeah, just picture a cutting board with bark on all four sides. And it's not like a cookie. It's not like an ingrain cookie. It's face grain rectangular cutting board. So yeah. yeah, unless this is like those like rectangular watermelons the Japanese make, maybe they're growing trees. This oh way yeah, now. just doesn't work. I don't know if you like you like the bark on two sides, you'll <laughs> like it on four. Be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's you know more stable than a cookie, so it's all good. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. How about no? Just no. Just no. Jeez. All right. Well, you guys know who else has good cookies? Uh, hey, that nope. actually that works. <clears throat> Bench cookies at Rockland, like man. They With do. Frosting. That's right. Um, well, you know what? Rockler is excited to announce the opening of a brand new store in Round Rock, Texas, which is just north of Austin. The stars at night are big and bright. <laughs> Uh, Can't say Texas. Uh, for, the, <laughs> for, about for a that. second, I didn't follow that. I actually thought that was Cremona. I was just like, that. So I was like, what was going on? <laughs> this sound a lot like Cremona, <laughs> honestly. Well, you may be missing out if you haven't been to a Rockler store lately. You'll find top power tool brands and accessories, a large lumber selection, dust collection, router tables, T track, finishing supplies, hardware, and more. Rockler stores also host a variety of classes and events. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you or stop by the new Round Rock store if you're in the area. No matter which store you visit, you can count on Rockler for innovative products, expert advice, and exceptional customer service. Well, thank you, Rockler, for being a sponsor of the show. We enjoy this relationship, and we hope you do too. Now I want to go see Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I know. So good. It holds up, and to too. To think that, like, we were probably when, when I was in Austin last time, you know, we went, did the touristy thing, saw the Alamo and I keep wanting, I kept wanting to like go to one of the guards and asking where the basement was. And I was like, no, I don't want to be that guy. He probably gets that question. <laughs> There's seven no basement times in the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's heard that before and it's no longer fun. No, definitely not. Well, cool. All right. So we got some questions to answer from you guys. Uh, we get those from our email sometimes elsewhere, but mostly from the email. <laughs> Uh, this one is from Chad. He says, early on in my woodworking journey, 
I use Minwax Stain from a big box store because it was easy to find, pretty easy to work with. I've always wondered what the yellow can of Minwax Stain means when it says penetrates, stains, and seals. It's the seals part that I'm wondering about. Do you guys know if there's something in this simple stain uh, that we've all probably used that seals the wood? If so, what are the advantages and disadvantages of this feature? I try not to stain most of my projects, but when I do, I am usually using Mohawk products, which I like better. Love the show. Keep it going. So that, you know, you got to be careful when you look at uh, labeling on marketing, finishing (laughs) supplies, right? The marketing attached to this stuff, especially when you see things like penetrate. Well, what what does that mean? Like, yeah, it absorbs into the wood. Penetrate makes it sound like it's actively being driven down into the fibers. So it's, you know, it's deep. Um, But ultimately, this is it's a lot of fluff. Nice and deep. That's how we like it. Penetration. So. Obviously penetrates, you know, that just means that it's going onto the surface and not just staying on the surface. It's going into the wood fibers stains. That's obvious. It's bringing some color to the party. The seals aspect is where they're getting, you know, they're kind of stretching a little bit. Um, most of their finishes mm, do a have a boiled linseed oil. I'm <laughs> sorry. Say what? A lot of it. Cause yeah. I, I well, hear that seal they, thing all the time. I mean, people think now it's like impervious, like, Oh, now it won't move. It's a sealer. I've sealed it. So the water won't get in. Yeah. Well, it if it was anymore. Uh, I hear that all the time. Well, especially in the case of a stain, if it was truly sealed, then why are you recommending I put a top coat on? Right. It? Yeah. You know, so uh, the, when they're saying sealed, uh, that just means that there's oil in that can. It could be boiled linseed oil or whatever other type of oils there are, soya or something like that. Uh, so that oil does have a curing process. And what can happen is if you put a coat of stain, if you ever tried this on, on scrap or maybe accidentally on a project, uh, you've stained it once and you go back and put a second coat on and maybe you're a little too liberal that second time it won't absorb as much um, because effectively you have oiled the surface and that oil did cure to some extent and partially sealed the surface. So that's what they're saying when, when they're saying sealed, think of it like if you took a can of boiled linseed oil and you soak that into the surface the next day, is it totally sealed? Is it totally impervious to anything being absorbed? Not really, but it is starting down that path. So that's typically what they're referring to with sealing. Um, but it is not necessarily adequate and you're going to want to put something on top of that. So, I, I mean, technically it's not like they're lying. There is some sealing going on. It's just not the way that woodworkers would think of it. Um, to truly seal a surface uh, requires other materials or multiple coats of, you know, some kind of, an don't oil. they put a little so. bit of varnish in there as well? I don't think they I mean, do. It's an oil base. I mean, varnish, there might be but... some companies that do, or who knows, maybe there's some specialty product. Uh, maybe that's their poly shades, product is is something that definitely contains you know poly but typically it's just going to be a mixture of an oil a thinner and then you know pigments and dyes mm, pigment. So, as far as i'm aware and keep in mind a lot of this is you know proprietary stuff so what's what's actually in there is uh not always obvious to us or disclosed to us okay that's it shannon interesting <laughs> Um, let's see. This is from John. He says, many of us rarely use screws in our shops outside of general purpose and cabinetry. I recently needed seven number six screws, three quarter inches in length. The big box store only sells them in packs of 10. This is like the hot dog and hot dog bun thing, right? Um, (laughs) What what do you do with the extra three screws? Do you put them in a well-organized cabinet slash container? (laughs) Do you put them in a jar with Every other piece of random hardware you've acquired over the years, never to be found when you need it. Or do you throw them away knowing you'll never see them again? And if you need more, you can go to the store and buy them. I shoot them with flaming arrows. What I, do. <laughs> right. I know what I should be doing with them. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, I don't know. This actually might be a question to, to I'd love to hear from you guys as well. But I started with option number one, like the proverbial coffee can um, of hardware. And yeah, we all know what happened. Um, the, the coffee can of hardware just continued to get full to the point where I would never be able to find anything or it'd be like, oh, I know I have one of those in there. And you like dump it onto the bench top and there's, you know, a thousand pieces as it got fuller and fuller and fuller. I stopped doing that because it was just too much to sort through. So then I bought one of those little like little cabinets with all the little drawers in it, like the plastic screw cabinet or whatever. And mm-hmm. I would specifically buy two packs 
you know? So you get the 10 screws. Well, now I have 20. So now I can put them in the little drawer and it became like I would have screws on hand so that I was never going to the store and buying screws. So, and that kind of sort of stands today. Um, that little cabinet used to be a little better organized. Now I have a bunch of little drawers that are like the coffee cans. <laughs> it's a hundred coffee but cans. But at least they're now. small coffee cans and they're easy to sort through. But the upshot to that is, is I, I can't remember the last time I went to the store to buy screws. Like I just dig through what I have. And if I don't have something that doesn't work, I find another way. Or usually I find a screw that if, if it's not exactly what I'm looking for, this one will work, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. the screws on that piece don't exactly match. And that's fine because I don't care. So, yeah, sure. That's what I do. Uh, I usually put them on the counter and I go, I'm going to put those away. <laughs> and a couple of weeks go by and I see them there again. And I'm like, what the hell's the deal with these random three screws? These th- th- need to go in the garbage. Uh, and I throw them away. I, I, I've got a, a hardware organizer similar to what you have, Shannon, uh, with all the drawers in it. And I do, if, if it's substantial stuff, I do try to hold on to it. But my problem is every time I need a certain screw, I go through, I look through, I'll get through like maybe 15 drawers. I get frustrated. And I'm like, screw it. Home Depot is five minutes away. <laughs> and I go get what I need only to probably come back and find it the next day. Like, oh, okay, I did have these three-inch lag screws. I probably should have looked harder. But yeah, hardware, because of the infrequency, and it's kind of like you need it when you need it, uh, it's not something that's worth taking up a bunch of space to store. Um, I find that things like screws are a difficult thing to justify getting really good and well-organized mm-hmm. with, but uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Well, I think I've also yes, just, over the years, I use the same, <laughs> I use the same hardware. You know, I rarely have that much need for screws, like you said. So when I do, it's kind of the same ones over and over again. So going and buying like two and three packs of them and having like a larger supply on demand has just ended up working well. You know, it's Mm -hmm. rare that I'm like, oh, I have to have this specific screw. Like, you know, that's usually like a piece of hardware dictating, you know, this particular screw to go with it. And if that's the case, it came with that screw. You know, so I'm good to go. Like if you buy, you know, good quality hinges and things like that, the good companies send you the screws, you know, and the really good companies send you great companies, the great companies send you a steel screw with the brass screws. So you go and you drill the hole, you know, they, they give you the little sacrificial screw, if you will. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't find myself starting from scratch thinking, okay, now I'm going to need six screws. And if I do, you know, the, the stash of one inch or one and a quarter inch number eight screws that I have is just fine. Works well. <clears throat> yeah. I think I know Matt's answer. Cause I know we talked about this hardware <laughs> in the past <laughs> and his was just like, F it. I'm going to the store every time I need hardware to a certain extent. That's true. Yeah. Um, I have the, uh, like the sort bin things with like the little cups or whatever. They're like in a tray and you close it. Whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and I have things kind of sorted by like how size, or like like number six, number eight, if it's nuts and bolts, quarter inch or five sixteenths or whatever. And I tend to like kind of like put stuff back in there if I have extra from something. But to like, I don't know, you guys' points, like I only really use like a few different sizes of things mm-hmm. in most of my work anyway. So it's not like I need to have all these things. Right. And for like the times where I have stuff kind of laying around and I don't really feel like putting them back in the bins. Like I have a, I have a bowl that's over there that I put like all my extra hardware bits and pieces into. So it's kind of like the reshelf section of the library. <laughs> the like yeah. Don't bother putting it away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then like yeah. eventually like, oh, this bowl is kind of full. Let me just pick out the things that are like somewhat valuable and easy to put away. And then the rest has dumped in the recycling <laughs> and then move on with my life. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it becomes a job at a certain point. And I think if you, I don't know, maybe a general maker might have a different perspective. I'd like to talk to people who are into a bunch of different disciplines. They find it useful to just carry all this hardware on. Well, hand. yeah, because other I think other things like that, they're actually using screws and fasteners. Yeah, you it know, just comes like, up. We're more over often. here making jewelry right. and they're over there screwing crap together. Well, and I also think yeah. anytime like, you have like you're dealing with bolts. In other words, you have to have a threaded female part of the connection. I think you tend to hang mm-hmm. on to that. Cause like my, like for instance, my, um, um, 
bicycle maintenance stuff. Um, I keep everything. Like if I, if I swap out a derailleur or if I swap out, you know, even a bottle cage, I keep all of the bolts, all the stuff. Cause you know, there's Allen bolts and Torx bolts and all this different stuff. And you just, you, in that instance, I do kind of throw it in a box. You know, I do have the proverbial yeah. coffee can over there, but like that hardware, a, it's super specialized, but it also like, it's not a matter of, if you get a screw, if it's a wood screw, you can drive it into the wood anywhere. Right. It doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of the, the pilot hole changing. Well, in the instance of more like machinist type stuff, well, it has to, the pitch of that has to specifically match this thread. And in this case, it's got to be a torque screw because it's going into carbon, yeah. you know, um, it's got to be. Yeah. Perfect. So I, I do keep every left bit of that. I think. Yeah, I think Matt's point is right. <laughs> if the screw doesn't work, I'll just cut a tenon. Ha ha. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think He's cabinet, cabinet screws or like wood screws, you know, standard stuff. If I'm doing cabinetry or whatever and just happens to need a screw. That's one thing I do like to have around pan head screws as well, but it's all woodworking related. I want a, a little nice little uh, selection of those for whenever I happen to need them. But once you get outside of that, it's it's a lot more. I just don't care <laughs> as much about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting question. Thought invoking. Yes, it is. Right. You're up, Matt. <sighs> Why did I pick a long question? Yeah, summarize it. <laughs> yeah, that, that takes more work. Uh, this is from Nathan. He says, hey, guys, this question is mainly for Matt, although it applies to anyone who's made a thing and put it on the Internet. I, I've done <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Well, Shannon, have you done that? I, I don't think so. I don't know. He okay, used to you'll, made. You'll get to answer this one. Though. He stopped. We're not going to seek your advice on this. Anyway, Nathan uh, recently built a walnut crib as a gift uh, for friends having their first child. Though I made some minor changes, it's pretty darn similar to the crib Matt built for his own kids. I don't, I didn't put much thought into the ethics and legality of following along with a YouTube video to make a project to be given away. Now someone else has seen the crib and wants to commission me to make another. Although I know Cremona's crib didn't, although I know the Cremona crib didn't reinvent the wheel, it's still a piece of furniture that I didn't design, and I stand to make money on it if I take the job. I'm a hobbyist, but as my skill improves, I'd like to at least be open to making some money on the side. Can you give me any general guidelines on intellectual property when it comes to furniture design? Aside from the obvious legal questions, I also like to not be a jerk and take money or credit for something I didn't design. Love the show, and as always, thanks for not quitting or knitting. Yay. Okay. That's a, that's a good question. And we have, we've, I think we, we have talked about this at, at some point. But uh, good luck I think finding it's, it. It's a good recurring theme of like, okay, well, what what do I do here? I'm trying to make uh, someone else's design and, and end up selling it. And I think the, uh, the sort of like easy cop out answer is just to ask. You kind of see what that person who actually designed it says. There's mm -hmm. nothing necessarily illegal about copying someone's design like that, but it is you know shady. It could be shady or seen by by someone as being a little more on the uh, not on the up and up side of things. Yeah. I think like the, the general like overarching theme is like if it's a design from someone who manufactures that and sells that and that's how they make their living, that's probably gonna be a little more on the, uh, you know, not cool side than some random guy in his garage making something and put it on YouTube. So in the case of my designs, you can do whatever the hell you want with my stuff. You don't have to give me credit. I don't really care. Uh, the only other thing here is with the, uh, the crib stuff. I mean, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little different world because, well, uh, there's a little more like babies. liability issues surrounding that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that there's a reason scary. why I don't sell plans for that. Um, so I've had this question before on the bassinet because a lot of people make that and it was a similar thing. They had made one and then their friend wanted to buy one and they asked me if they could make it and sell it. I'm like, I don't really care. But just keep in mind that I don't make any claims that this has any safety standards or it has not been independently laboratory tested or anything. It's just the design. That's up to you to kind of figure out because there's a lot more that goes into this stuff. If you start selling these things, talk to your insurance agent and have fun with that conversation. I was going to say, then you'll come back going, well, guess I'm not doing this woodworking <laughs> yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, you're saying, yeah, no, yeah, no, because they're going to want you to have that 
uh, certification <clears throat> that it was independently lab tested to comply with all of the consumer safety product testing stuff. So Dude, you know what I hear build one and they're going to destroy it for you in a lab. Well, I tried to like, I looked at the whole crib thing and what Mateo was born. I was like, that's my biggest concern. Like my, my pride to build something like that is not over, like is not stronger than my fear for like what considerations I should have to make, you know, the perfect spacing and just everything just right. So I'm like, let, let's just buy something. It's a temporary period of time. Um, he's going to use this for a very short amount of time. Let's buy something. Then at least we know it's safe. And even with that, the way that this bench or the bench, this uh, <laughs> benches are on my mind, uh, the way this crib was designed, it kind of had the slats flaring out a little bit at the top. And in the middle of the night, I hear screaming and I probably have told this story on the show before, yeah. but his arm got stuck in it because he could get the arm through at the top and then he sat down yeah. and now his arm was wedged at the bottom of the slats. And I'm like, so even with all of this like BS government intervention and making sure that this thing is quote unquote safe, my son still found a way <laughs> to get <laughs> his arm locked into this crib to the point that I had to actually break the slats to, to get his arm released. And I'm like, well, that, I mean, granted, <laughs> like, I guess mine could have also had flaws like that, but I'm like, I should have just built it myself. It probably would have been better, but <laughs> it still just reminds you that even with all of that stuff, it's still sketchy. And you, that's where the liability thing that you're talking about comes in. You don't necessarily want people building your, your stuff and then giving it to well, people's and the thing children. Is those, those standards can change over time too. And you have to keep updated with what's going on with those mm -hmm. new regulations. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go out there. The regulations are public. I mean, it's like every other government regulation thing. The document is there. You can read through it. It's very vague and <laughs> it's not going to have any specifics in there. But if you understand how to read, comprehend and apply those kind of standards, which is what I did at my old job, it wasn't particularly difficult, but yeah. it's definitely an acquired skill of being like, okay, how do I interpret this? Cause it's all up for interpretation and how the judge interprets it when there's actually <laughs> a case right. <laughs> brought against you. Yeah, I don't know how that works exactly, but yes. So anyway. Well, this is kind of a sideline conversation. If you have a so, problem with your crib, it would destroy you. And you better yeah. have a good policy in place and a good attorney to defend you. Um, if you want to get deeper into this stuff, there's uh, I always reference this article from Fine Woodworking. Um, is copying furniture legal? Uh, let me read the conclusion. It's a decent article, but you should read the whole thing. In summary, while an initial reaction may be that furniture designs must be well protected from imitation by intellectual property, in fact, the scope of protection is quite limited and may not be available at all for many designs. In other words, like you don't have to worry about it too much if you're just copying Matt's stuff, um, but you copy like, let's say, a furniture store. Well, they've got bigger, you know, resources that if they wanted to make your life miserable, whether they win or not is like, the, isn't really the question. It's like, do you want to go through a court battle? Um, but you're unlikely with an individual maker, you're unlikely to confront a situation where you get yourself in trouble because these things are difficult to protect. I think it's probably very similar to like the fashion industry where there's not really any intellectual property applied to fashion designs, mm -hmm. but the way they get around that is having their logo Right. On the design. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, that's actually a really good point because you think about tiny little change you could make to a shirt or a dress or whatever and make it different. The same thing that applies to furniture. You know, we talk about inspired by, you know, I, I'm building this, this crib inspired by Matt's. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, Matt used 17 slats and I have 21 slats. <laughs> Because I like oh, to slightly thinner. Space is probably too tight then. <clears throat> yeah, too tight for you sure. Know, or I, the, kid, the kid can't even see out of it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, might as well wall. put him in a damn box. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. You know, but you, you get the point. You know, I've added a slight curve yeah. to the leg or something like that. And and therefore it's, it's now, quote, my design. Um, and yep. I do think giving credit, you know, where the inspiration came from is a good idea. But, you, you know, you can't really... You, you can't really police that. Um, I mean, and the perfect example when we talked about this before was the whole sculpted furniture thing. You know, yeah. Mark, you were building the sculpted rocker and you were working with with Charles Brock at that point. And it's like, well, how is this different from the Maloof chair? And Charles is like, well, here's what I changed and here's what I changed. And he had like a bullet point, you know, list of things that were different. 
but from the outward view, <laughs> he was prepared. You know, to the person who didn't build it, who who knows that that angle is different, you look at it and go, "Oh, it's a Maloof chair." So yeah, it's yeah. Well, when one of the things that's interesting about that, and this I guess goes back to the label, like and the brand being associated with it. Um, I heard through the grapevine, and I can't say that this is a hundred percent true. This is just what I heard. That one of the reasons that Brock had to change from Maloof inspired to sculptured rocker, if you look at how he labels and titles uh, this stuff, is because he was actually asked, you know, probably with a a letter, (laughs) asked (laughs) to stop using Maloof's name. So when you think as a woodworker, you're doing the right thing Mm. by saying, oh, no, 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 this is a Maloof inspired rocker. It's like, well, they don't want you to use Maloof's name at all. So you're trying to give credit and to maybe make yourself feel better about it. But meanwhile, they're like, no, get his name (laughs) off of there. (laughs) So you have to go with a generic name. And then you have the other side of it where it's like, you you know, let's say a customer is looking at this going, can you believe this guy? He's doing a sculpted rocker and not once gives any credit to (laughs) for this design. And (laughs) and, and, yeah, it's a catch 22 because he's like, well, I would love to give credit, but I'm not allowed to. Which which brings us back to the original conclusion. Just just don't build anything. Take up knitting. <laughs> Find another hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be messy. I'm sure there's the same similar thing in knitting. No, I'm sure Co- there is. Copying patterns or something. Let's ask uh, Margaret. She could let <laughs> us yeah. know. And they have sharp knitting needles they can stab you with. Yeah. Well, hopefully I won't get in trouble with my spag bow that I'm building right now. <laughs> Good luck. Okay, well, I think that does it for us. Remember that we're proudly sponsored by Rockler. Family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler is everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you or use the code WOODTALK online to receive... No, okay, that's confusing because that used to be the name of the show. (laughs) Got to find a better way to read that. Uh, use the code WoodTalk. I'm trying to avoid saying the one word thing and it totally screwed me up. You guys know what to do. The code is WoodTalk uh, and you'll receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head to rockler.com slash WoodTalk to enter for your chance to win that Clamp It Deluxe kit. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still back on Spagbo and thinking... You know, with, with some garlic bread would be good. A um, little bit of spag bow. Then again, yeah. the city of Bologna might have a, you know, a suit against you. How dare you use your you spag bow. Anyway, please send us questions, folks. It allows us to put together shows with very little effort on our part. We just go to an inbox, <laughs> select, truly, select, copy and paste in the show notes. Aww. And it makes things so much easier. And, and hey, you get your question answered. So it's a win-win all around with a side of Spagbo. So please mm. go to woodtalkshow.com. You can submit your questions there. You can go to Instagram. You can find us at woodtalkshow on Instagram. Submit your questions. Margaret curates them all, eliminates the really, really bad ones and sends them to us in, in um, our inbox, which is nice. Or you can record a voicemail and you can email that voicemail to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Thank you for your questions. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.